Hey there, folks. I don't know how I forgot to talk about this in the session, but uh, the longtime listeners will notice that we have a fresh new look. And the uh, new listeners will notice that we have a fresh look that would not in context be new or old because you're new to the show. Anyway, I want to thank uh, our friend Sophina Sago for making awesome, awesome artwork for us uh, to use on this podcast. She's been on this podcast. You can go back and listen to the Blind Bandit episode. She was featured on that one. And I'll link a website in the description so that you, if you would like, uh, you can contact her. I believe she has some contact information on there. So thanks again to Sophina. And we're a little bit sleepy at the beginning of this episode, but I swear we wake up pretty quickly. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> record in the morning. Um, I think you'll probably hear a little more graveliness going on here and uh, probably with the the content (laughs) at hand, probably a little little affected voice as well. A little little added added gravel to the already graveled. (sighs) Uh, But uh, before we get get into into it, yeah. um, (laughs) What have you been watching? As you know, I finished The Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to Calvin here, not our listeners. <laughs> we do talk outside of this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. um, I really liked it as a whole. I was let down by the stuck landing. I don't think it stuck. Yes, it did not. Um, I agree. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it was a fun show. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> right. Yes, totally. Like, I, I think going into it was like this is his next thing and throughout the beginning was like okay what's this all about mm-hmm. and then the last two episodes were oh is this gonna be the show oh no it's not <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to spoil anything but it it just is and for some people i think it might be the perfect uh yeah the perfect escape right now because it was right. very I started watching Hill House then because you told me you did to kind of compare yeah. and you were like, whoa, this is oh so much. And I <laughs> yeah. agree there is it's almost night and day like the quality of the emotional quality of Hill House is so much yes. more resonant and real. But it is a lot less uh, just like turn it on and lose yourself to it. Like I was only able to watch a couple episodes last night and I was like, whew. I need to play some Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> yeah. It's very heavy, but in yeah. a good way yes. that resonates with me as a human being rather than just like feels like it's trying to be heavy or feels right. cheesy in any way. It feels very, very real. Well, here's one thing as I've been thinking about it, because that's mostly what I've been watching as well as my rewatch of Hill House. They have commentary in Hill House about incorporating the ghosts into each individual person's like trauma and how their individual life experiences materialize into ghosts basically but it makes sense with the like continuity of what the haunting in hill house is in Bly manor they change the rules but they still try to do the like individual experience thing but it doesn't match as well with the new rules that they've set 
which uh, yeah, hundred percent a little disappointing. And that's hard um, to describe without spoiling. And you just did it perfectly, I think. Oh well, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly like my biggest issue with it: the yeah. way that the rules work within the uh, storytelling versus the second season versus Bly Manor, and that might have a lot to do with the source material too. This might be something that, like, with The Haunting of Hill House, right. um, when they adapted that source material, they were like, oh, my gosh, look what we can do with this. Mm-hmm. Or with Bly Manor, maybe they were like, it's all already here. Let's just right. do what's, you know what I mean? And I've actually heard that Hill House is further away from the source material than Bly Manor is, which is interesting. interesting. You know, I don't know, like, as far as it's been a while since I've read a book and then seen a film adaptation of it. So maybe people who's experiences more often that you know the the people who uh really loved those books maybe it's maybe they prefer Bly Manor yeah that's true you never know but yeah that's I don't think I've watched any other movies since we last talked I was gonna watch Invisible Man but I haven't found the uh haven't found the time yet I think I've got the next few days free now so I'm I'm gonna try and check that off the list you know what I did want to talk about I want to talk about the British Baking Show. Have you ever watched it? <laughs> Great British Bake Off. Yes, I've I've seen episodes, and people are absolutely insane about this show. Like so, I don't know why, man. Crazy I about it. Fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All right. You're another. Did you? I'm are you just getting into I'm not it now? Like, or have you been? A no, fan? I. I've I've seen every episode, and there's a new <laughs> season now. Uh, yeah coming weekly so you can watch it weekly on netflix okay yeah and it's been nice to have that you know uh it's funny it's just a funny show because the humor never feels like i don't know like american not just cooking shows but what reality shows like that where they have those little moments of like interluding humor Mm -hmm. it's always just so cringy yeah and on this they know it's cringy and it's so funny. <laughs> I don't know, like yeah. it'll like cut over to like the the two hosts who are very funny. Um, one of them is has been for years. Uh, Noel from the Mighty Boosh. I don't know if you ever watched that. <laughs> no, Did no, you? I didn't. no. That is on <laughs> Adult Swim. It was a very, it's very, very like British humor. Okay, like, yeah. I don't even know how to get. Yeah. Um, he's also old Greg. If you ever, do you remember that YouTube video? I'm old Greg. Oh, no? uh, that rings a bell. I'm sure if I watched it, oh, I'd God, remember. I'm old Greg. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so it's much very old funny. YouTube stuff, and it's it'll like... just like cut. Yeah, no, I don't even understand. Yeah. Uh, it'll like cut over to him and the other host who who has changed more often than him, mm. like both wearing Victorian dresses, <laughs> and then they'll just have like a little skit where they're like. In Victorian times, biscuits were... But, like, they go so full full on for it. Yeah. Like, the full hair, the full makeup, the full dress. And it's only, like, a seven-second bit <laughs> that, like, I can't help but applaud like, the effort. You know what right, I mean? They put in all those, like, materials and uh, preparation just for that. So this newest season of British uh, Bake Off starts with Matt Lucas as Boris Johnson. Like, oh. he's wearing, like, a really shitty blonde wig. Yeah. Which, if you know Matt Lucas, is even funnier because he's just, like, <laughs> he's a bald guy. So, when he's yeah. wearing a wig, it's, like, very clearly a wig. Right. Which is funny because Boris Johnson, I don't know. Boris Johnson's and hair is, And they just yeah. fully go for, like, this uh, 
bit about uh, COVID-19 and like, except instead of talking about uh, protecting the safety of like citizens, they're talking about baking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's almost like, what the fuck? But it (laughs) works because it's British, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where like while you're watching it, you're like, if I if this were on an American show, I would be cringing too right. far. But because these are all British people and they genuinely are having a blast up here, yeah. I can't wait. So yeah, oh, I love British humor. I'm I'm almost to the end of my new like since 2018 when his specials came out. He's been my favorite stand up comedian, James Acaster. You and, always tell me to watch him. I'm gonna do oh, it now. I'm uh, doing it. I uh, yeah, I'm almost done with his book called James A. Caster's Classic Scrapes, and it's literally just like three to five page stories from throughout his life, and they he starts to like link them, not necessarily like mostly just referencing ones that he's told before, but they're all just like individual funny stories that have happened to him, and some of them you're like this at its core is not. A hugely funny story, but he is funny, and the way he tells it is, God, it's so funny. Watch Gary, you watch, and also anybody listening, if you haven't, watch Repertoire. It's his four stand-up special like series on Netflix, and they all link. It's four hours of material that he just came up with and got a deal with Netflix and recorded and put out and it's four hours of material that like they're different specials but they also link jokes sort of in the same way i don't know he's brilliant that sounds awesome i'm gonna check that out but it'll be a good thing as far as uh different stories that all kind of weave together i think it's time to get into this episode Ooh, nice you're listening to a new lens This is a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. And we have gotten to Avatar, The Last Airbender, Season 2, Episode 15, The Tales of Ba Sing Se. And every time I watch this episode, um, I think I'm not going to cry. And every time I do. Every single time. Every time I watch this episode, I think... There's only like one good part of this, and then the rest of it is filler, right? And then that one good part is so good. Mm-hmm. And then every time I do, I'm like, oh no, the whole episode is fucking the great. The whole episode's actually, it's one of the best of the show. And they also do agree. something experimental with it. Like, they haven't yep. done this in the show before where they take individual stories. And they don't do it again. It's a specific episode that feels original and it feels unique even yes. after watching the whole show. Totally. I mean, it makes sense for their setting because they're in this massive city. They all sort of have different things going on. It would take too much to try and feel like you're weaving it together and cutting back and forth between the stories. Although some of these do feel like filler. I mean, but but they don't feel unimportant. Like Aang's story is not necessary at all to the progressing of the plot. But it feels important to Aang and to fill in their time here you know because and it's one of those things where you're like if he's there and he knows that that's going on wouldn't he do something about it you know one of those things yeah totally easy to easy to just let be a thing that you can churn into headcanon like i bet ang helped that guy out but cooler now that we get to see it in the context of an episode with some other things that are very important right yes 
that's what's cool about this episode. So for the recap this time, I think we're just going to give basically a one-sentence brief outline of each of the names of the stories. You've got Toph and Katara getting their makeover. You've got Iroh helping people out throughout the city and then having a little ceremony. You've got Aang discovering this rundown zoo uh, and helping them out. You've got Sokka discovering this little poetry circle uh, doing haikus. You've got Zuko going on a date for what seems like probably the first time ever. And then we've got Momo on a search for his best friend, Appa. Honestly, just saying all that gave me, like, feels just now. Not just... It's all so good. It's, it's a lot of feels in this episode. It's six distinct good stories in 22 minutes. Yeah, no, That's when incredible. I started it, I was like, there are four, ep- there's four stories, right? Yeah. It feels right. like that in my head, you know, like there could only be four because yeah. how could they devote enough time to six different? Right. But they do brilliantly. Yeah. And it, it none of them feel like shortchanged. None, none of them feel, nope. you know, neglected. And they fit like there kept coming new ones. And I kept being like, oh, shit i i thought we were gonna get to like the last one i remember is momo it's like oh that's right zuko has that moment in this episode and every time i was not disappointed same well uh let's let's get into this first one Toph and katara so i like multiple things about this one they have had the pun intended rockiest relationship so far of the gang i'd say um i feel like Sokka tests people by being Sokka, but other than that really the only like fights have been between top and katara absolutely they need a day together not just for what katara describes to top as like you know a day for her to feel pampered and special but i Mm -hmm. think they need this day for each other too yeah totally and it's interesting, you know, you see the tale of Toph and Katara, and then the first shot is Aang. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and like I forgot you get the, the context of Aang shaving his head, which I think is the first time that we're establishing, like, he's not just a bald little kid. <laughs> like, he, yeah, he no, does when I was watching this as a kid, I thought he was a bald little kid. Yeah. You know? It's cool. And then Sokka <laughs> shaving off his tiny whiskers. <laughs> couple, his little a couple whiskers. Boink, boink. Which also establishes that that knife whalebone thing he has is sharp as right. hell. Yeah. I mean, he probably maintains that, too. You know, yep. I don't think we've ever seen him sharpening it. But that's definitely something he does to keep it this sharp to shave off his whiskers. I remember those days about a, a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have never had Savvy. good facial hair. But I finally got a, a an okay goatee going. But uh... He does. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> And then Katara's got her loopies. I love that they do the loopies because we've referenced them on the show, you know? Like, yep. doesn't Sokka say something about Katara's hair loopies at some point? Yeah, I think in or the Maybe first that's in season. the future of the show. I think in, in the first season, he says, you know, Katara's got her hair loopies. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering them at, at, at a waterfall. Like when they're giving Appa a bath. I feel like at some point in that episode, he references her hair loopies. I just remember that, yeah. So... Uh. It's cool to see her put them, because, like, I don't know, it's not that cool, but it is cool right, to see yeah. her, like, pin them back and, like, know how she does it and right. know what the process is it's there. part of like. the routine. And part of what's cool about this is it feels organic 
giving context that they have these routines and they all are doing it in a way that feels very routine. Yeah, it's not just that every single episode there's they reset as the same person right. like on like yeah. Family Guy or something. Right. And then we see the routine of Toph, <laughs> which I think it's one of those things where like with animation you can't give too much detail or else it will look too busy. But I think it it gives context that what we see of Toph is as put together as she will go, and it she's way dirtier than she appears always for the entire time we've known her with this group. I, you know what I mean? Yes, totally agree. And it's one of those things, too, where I bet she doesn't, like, stink. It's dirt. Right. You know what I mean by yeah, that? Like, totally. she's not, like gross she's dirty <laughs> yes you know right a healthy coating of earth <laughs> the way she puts it i kind of agree with her yeah. i'm kind of like well right? she is an earthbender who's blind so she might as well be covered in this stuff you yeah. know so she can like right. use it as like well as she can i don't know it's like katara's water pouch i've got a layer of earth around <laughs> a layer of earth over me <laughs> um i also love her hair yeah. Because we've seen Toph with her hair put into this uh, style that seems to be popular among um, yeah. women of uh, the Earth Nation. Mm-hmm. But now we see that she has, she has a lot of very, hair. very, very thick, unruly, yes. like, awesome. And I just, I always wonder if, like, she uses earthbending because her hair is so dirty to be able to put it into its style. Kind of yeah. like hair gel, but yeah. like with earthbending. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, or she spits it like she basically somehow almost earthbends her own spit, right. probably because Ching! it's like so dirty. I don't yeah. know. Like everything she does feels like a freaking smack. I don't know. Yeah, it's totally. awesome. Um, so Katara says, let's go have, you know, a day off, a spa day. Um, and they're outside this spa of Ba Sing Se. And Toph's one stipulation is, as long as they don't touch my feet. And the first thing which, they do is get pedicures. <laughs> which I relate. I have been asked yeah. by my girlfriend to do like a spa day with her. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I would do that, but I don't want anyone touching my feet. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Like I, but for me, it's not because I see with my feet. I'm just ticklish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but she like literally sees with her feet, so yeah. I'm sure that's like, I mean, more than sensitive. It's like, I also, don't know, like like she has has thick enough calluses on her feet that she can walk around, you know, on hard earth constantly and not think about it. And they shave off some of those calluses. And it, yeah, they're starting it to like scrape that, it off. Yeah. They've got like a brick, <laughs> like trying yeah. to scrape off these calluses on her feet. And it's like, I love that she, she needs earth that bends. though. <laughs> she earth bends the lady. Too. Yeah. <laughs> she like, but you can tell that the lady who gets earth bended isn't like, Someone call the police. She's right. like, oh, oh like she seems <laughs> bummed that she just got slammed against right. the wall. Well, know? if you think about it, probably, probably there have been earthbenders in there, <laughs> yeah, who don't necessarily want to be there and aren't sure about having their feet touched. Um, but then they get a couple things that are more along the lines of what Toph will enjoy, and the first one of those is this uh, mud bath. And these of mud course masks. she loves a mud bath, right? You know, 
being immersed in Earth. Yeah, that's great. And that's good for your skin as well. And, you know, very relaxing. And I love the way she earth bends the mud on her face into like an alien thing. You get that that little <laughs> tune of it. I like how they use that. They yeah. use it a lot in the show. Yeah. Um, I, and then when she laughs with Katara, the mud forms into a smile and like yeah. laughs with her. Totally. I don't know. It's cool. It's like she doesn't stop bending just because she's that lady runs away. It's <laughs> right. She's so good and so natural of a bender that it's just like well, also she's into her laughter. It. She's doing it for Katara's benefit. You know what I mean? They're totally, yeah. Which is awesome. Like they're they're having yeah. a bonding moment and it feels right. And then they have another awesome bonding moment in the sauna where it's so she just cool. Earth bends a rock onto it. Katara pours some water on it. And it feels oh, so, so fluid. Yes. The way the rock to the water. Like mm-hmm. the, even the motion Katara uses doesn't feel like her normal bending where she's like got a stance. It mm-hmm. feels like she just kind of waves her hand over right. casually and just lets that water in there. And yeah. then they both. Ah, you know, <laughs> yep. they have their moment. Totally. Um, so then they're walking away from the spa. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that Toph is like genuinely like feeling really good about herself. Yeah. And surprised at feeling so. Yeah. And it's cool because it's like this is something that I feel like she's kind of been against with Katara. Like Katara has always kind of been like, I think there have been moments where she's made comments about Toph being like, tough and toffs make Mm -hmm. comments about katara being girly maybe that's just in my head though because of this episode and how it's treated but you can tell that in this moment she's not just happy because she bonded with katara she's happy because katara was kind of right like sometimes Mm -hmm. it really does feel good to just be pampered for a day yeah and uh they're walking along and they walk over this bridge and a few older girls are walking over across across from them and one says Hey, nice makeup. And Toph, this makes me so freaking upset because she yeah. she sounds so genuinely like, thanks. It's like the first time that someone's complimented her looks maybe ever. And she doesn't even know if they're if it's like something she can trust. But she's like so happy that she like, thanks. Yeah. And then for a clown. Oh. And I, you really believe that like this is it this breaks her that's it you know Mm -hmm. like she just had her whole day right and this girl just with one comment can ruin that and she doesn't she says hey you know what else is funny because they make another comment about like you know her looking like a dressed up your baboon monkey or something or yeah like cat monkey poodle or whatever monkey poodle yeah and she's like monkey poodle that's funny you know what else is funny and then she just cuts a hole of earth from the from the <laughs> yeah. uh bridge. The bridge they all fall down and then katara just creates this giant huge wave. wave oh so good it's so satisfying too because they didn't like physically hurt them really they just messed up their they made dresses and off. makeups <laughs> and then made them fuck right off yeah it's so satisfying and then we f- fi- finished the episode with a really touching moment of katara yeah. telling Toph. I know that it doesn't matter. Or she says something like, you know, not that it means anything to you, but you are really pretty. Right. I mean, I also like before she says that, Toph says, you know, I don't really care what I look like. And you can hear in her voice. I want to commend uh, Jesse Flower, the voice actor 
that that's the name she went by as a kid. She now goes by Michaela Jill Murphy. I forget. I don't have that name in front of me, but uh, that's what I remember it being. I know it's Michaela, but um, the voice acting there is perfect because you can hear that it's one of those things where she doesn't actually not care. It's something she has learned to cope with. You know, she's like, yeah, I can't and see Katara myself. So can hear I it too. Yes, and so she says, not that it matters, but you're really pretty, and it is very meaningful to her you know tough because she says and, really yeah, she doesn't just let really? that be she, really and yeah. yeah and it's so nice i love the little joke too she's like i would say it back to you but you know <laughs> i don't know what you look like uh and that's a perfect ending to this little vignette only a few minutes and everyone is going to be like that and i won't make this comment every time but mm. when it ended this first one i was like Wow. Yeah. That was like the best the show has done at using their time wisely. And mm-hmm. they're about to do it five more times. Yep. You know? Ooh, wow. Already. It's the I second forgot. one. See, this feels like something that when you remember the show was the last one. Yes. You know? Because it's uh-huh. so emotionally impactful. But I'm kind of glad it's the second one because you kind of need like some other things after after it you know what i yeah, mean yeah i think they're ordered perfectly i mean you've got just a solid r- connecting of two people to start us off and then it's individual stories from there on and the most like affecting one is second the tale of iro we fade in on iro at a marketplace a, a market front a storefront in the marketplace um and already there's this it's like a banjo. I don't know if it's a guzhang. It's either a guzhang or a banjo or like some combination of those sounds is already playing themes to this song that reoccurs in this in this vignette. Oh, and by the way, before we get to we, it might come up, but this vignette is a really cool glimpse into a part of Bossing Say that we only got to see briefly when yeah. they were driving through in the train. Totally. We've seen moments with like when Zuko and Jet are fighting and you know, but this is like we're fully seeing what it's like to live in this part of the city. You yeah. know, the the lower ring. Or he might now, since they have jobs, they might actually be one ring up. There right. might not be in the in the working with your hands area as as called by uh, i think they are because he runs into some trouble here that's what i'm that's what i'm referencing yeah like there's some trouble there's some you know but everyone also seems like community yes yes there's very potent notions of community here in in positive and negative ways you know the first place he is is this marketplace selling a this storefront selling a basket that he's buying and you don't really catch it the first time you watch this episode but um the vendor says this would be perfect for a romantic picnic and uh iroh says oh no nothing like that but it is a very special occasion it's just a quick exchange um but it it comes back and then we get just oh iroh exudes peace and tranquility in this episode and the little moment of him moving the flower into the, the, yes. the moon flower likes partial shade. And the way the vendor smiles at him as he does and that. And they just nod at each other like, yeah. thank you. But like at the same time, I sometimes when I'm watching this episode, I've this is the one of the few episodes that I've watched like 50 times. Yeah. 
Sometimes when I'm watching this episode, I get this like, eh, fuck you, man, from the vendor. <laughs> like, like I, me how to uh, I should have known that shouldn't have played. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um, but no, it is just a really, really cool little act of kindness. And yeah. then we start to hear this well, classic. It, it's interesting. They... It's not in front of the same shop. They actually cut over real quick, and he's at a different storefront that has musical instruments. It's yeah. a different storefront, and he starts yeah. to hear this boy crying Which is in the just street. A, and it is the classic baby Nickelodeon baby yeah. cry. Do you <laughs> yes. know what I mean? A hundred percent. I feel like whoever played Dill Pickles, they recorded like <laughs> hours of him making sounds <laughs> yeah. and have applied it. And I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure there it's just like a type of, you know, in the world of voice acting, maybe there are methods that people, sure. uh, you know, for crying yeah. to sound like a baby. Because like you or can't to get just, a kid to cry in a way that will fit with yeah, the cartoon. But you can't just like make a baby cry, you know, that's fucked up. So like it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't right. know. So, but I love the, I love the classicness of it. I don't know. There's something about the way it doesn't sound like that's i'm diving too deep into something so specific (laughs) but it reminds me of like babies crying in old nickelodeon shows yeah uh iroh approaches the baby immediately like he's not i don't know he's so ready for this like Mm -hmm. he it makes you remember like he was a dad like he raised a kid like because we've seen him with zuko and we know him and zuko's relationship kind of really started to develop when zuko was like 15 yeah right so seeing him with someone this young like strikes a little thing in my heart yeah i love we've talked about how the creators knew that mako was a really great singer mako the voice of iroh um and i've tried to get him to sing before and Usually it's in like a goofy way. They work it in and you can hear him like hamming it up. And that's another moment here. Like he's hamming it up, but it makes sense for the like it always makes sense in the continuity of the story. He's hamming it up for the sake of the kid. And that's mostly what you get out of it because that's what he's trying to portray is a calming song in like a ho-ho sort of way to calm the kid down. And so you don't really pay attention to the lyrics in in that moment. But these strings come in and make it feel like a more sentimental, like make the impact of him calming down this child hit the audience even more with these additional strings behind the lute that he's playing. And then he he finishes it and the kid pulls on his beard and he... So he's properly uh, gotten the kid, (laughs) you know, calmed down and joyful again. And it's another moment of just a silent thank you from the parent of the kid. Right. Yeah. Like these are all things that I like. I mean, it's not I'm not saying like thank yous wouldn't probably be appreciated, but sure. they are they're exchanged in a non verbal way. Like yes. people are just appreciative and it's yeah. that's part of this community thing. It feels like he his acts of kindness are uh they belong in this community. Mm-hmm. You know, it works. Like people accept it. Yeah. Where in some other episodes, some other communities, people might be like apprehensive of someone this kind and this mm-hmm. helpful. Like the town where Zuko alone took place, maybe. Right. Yeah, totally. Iroh continues on his way and he discovers these kids playing some some form of like bending ball. Oh, it's, it's awesome. so cool. Um, they're just and when you think about the it, they're talented. Like yeah. this is a great example of like showing us that sometimes fun can like accelerate 
the skill and technique. Skill, yeah. yeah. That's why like Aang and Katara and Toph being kids and like being able to be carefree in their bending is mm-hmm. one of the reasons they're so fucking good at it. Right. And we see it in these kids. Like these kids might hold their own in a fight against Toph and Katara and Aang. Right. You know, we don't know, but they're just kids fucking around. So like they probably don't even realize it. Also, this episode has so much animation that is astoundingly intricate and impressive for such a sort of non-essential episode. Even though, I mean, in the grand scheme, it is essential for the growing and establishing of the characters and to give validity to the amount of time that they spend in the city throughout the plot. But there's like this sequence of them earthbending there's there's one in pretty much every every one of these six stories, even the ones that don't necessarily feel like they warrant it, a very d- intricate animation scene. And this one is the them bending, and it's very cool. There's lots of intricate angles. You have to commend the the animators that we've referenced it before. Gary, you've brought up that it was uh, the Korean team that mostly yeah. From what I understand, they storyboard and they make a rough animation but then when they send it to korea that's what give that's like what breathes life into the storyboards and the frames and the animation so little things like um i always imagine like in the last episode when they were like yeah this guy attacked the best tea maker in town and then right. iroh says oh well thank you and blushes mm-hmm. the red in his cheeks yeah like, things like that right. are what i always assume but you never really really know like it could even be as far as you know like they literally added foam and mouth guy from being a guy that faints to right. a guy that screams and foams in the mouth mm-hmm. like their level of influence could be a lot higher than we even know and that's what's so yeah. cool about a collaborative show like this when it's yeah. truly collaborative totally. is that sequences like this can be as cool as they are like and then we, you know, they kick the ball through a window and this guy <laughs> walks up and we just see, like, his yeah. chest. And then he leans, <laughs> leans into in. the window. This dude's massive. Iroh's trying to say, like, it's okay to admit, admit your mistakes. Oh, but not this time. Run! And they run and he immediately runs into more trouble. He goes into an alley and there's a mugger there who is standing... Like bow legged, <laughs> they like make a little <laughs> musical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Iroh's just like, oh, are you serious? Like he's almost disappointed, yeah. you know. With, without a proper stance, you are unbalanced and can easily be knocked over. And he just <laughs> knocks this dude over super. And the way they grab the knife, it yeah, is so cool. They don't just like make it a funny little thing. They do a badass like. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, there's even a sound. Yeah. And I, then he flips the knife around a couple times in his hand. Yeah. And hands it back right. to him and immediately. Says, and the guy has a look on his face like, you're handing my knife back what? to me? And takes it. And and he's giving, he's putting faith in this man, you know, by by giving his yeah, weapon back he, and saying. He knows immediately. You don't look like the criminal type. And he said, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a bit confused. And. Iroh has the ability to, like, put people at ease and have them talk through their issues instead of taking them out in unhealthy ways. And he does that, and we skip that conversation, but it fades to this guy holding a cup (laughs) and tea being poured into it, which is like, of course he solves this situation with tea. But you really think I could be a good masseur? 
I love it so much because it's it could be so funny that he wants to be a masseur, right. but the genuine like yeah really in his voice makes me <laughs> yeah. like yeah man you go be a Do masseur it. you know yeah. and i love this notion that he gives that says it's good to have belief in oneself but sometimes help from others can be a blessing oh it's just so beautiful it really is and it resonates throughout the whole show yes that's so- every piece of advice iroh gives not just in this episode but ever mm-hmm. it's not throw away like fortune cookie Right. Something I just like yeah. think would sound good. It's always like a lesson to be learned in life and a lesson that will be prominent throughout the rest of this show. Right. And then here it is. Uh, we find alone. out what Iroh has been doing all day. Yeah. Why he got the basket, what he's been shopping around for. Mm-hmm. He climbs this hill. In... Which we recognize, maybe not right away. Yeah. And he lays out, uh, he sets up a rock and lays out this drawing this uh portrait of his son i also noticed that he before he even did that so he puts this rock down and then he drapes like a silk cloth over the rock yeah so it's almost like there's like an extra like a layer of you know Mm -hmm. a beautiful ceremony yeah yeah and i love the way he touches he just pinches the tips of two incense incense to, to light them yep a very uh, ceremonial, spiritual thing, S- sets those down, and he says to the portrait of his son, if only I could have helped you. Like this whole vignette, we've been watching him helping others. Through the Every single moment, he's he's just been giving. And it makes you think about when he's doing all that, how much he's done it. Like it's right. not, this isn't new to him, this is like what he does in life. Yes, you know? this is how he approaches life now clearly affected by the passing of his son in this place if you remember yep. one of the flashbacks him and his son raced up and like fell down on it on this hill yep and then he begins to sing and he sings this song again and we recognize that the lyrics are brave soldier boy come marching home leaves from the vine you know, this this imagery of leaves growing from a source and falling away, and there's nothing we can do about it. And we hope that these leaves that have fallen away will come back to us. And uh, you can just about fucking hold it together through this, just barely. And then this final frame, the color grading colors the whole thing, and it says, in honor of Mako. And... That is the voice of Iroh, who passed away after recording all of the episodes of season two. So, for the rest of season two, we are graced by Mako's voice, but they had to find someone else to try and fill those massive shoes for season three. And um, it's just absolutely fucking tragic. Yeah. Because what, it, what it hits, he gave it to hits this me show, every time, because it's one of the most beautiful characters and the way his arc progressed to this point mm-hmm. you know like he was so good at being a goofy uncle in season one yeah but this episode in particular they that's why they they had this episode end with that cap because like you realize just how important 
his role was. And no disrespect to the man that replaced him, because mm-hmm. I know that that probably was hard emotionally, physically, like he probably felt like he had to really try hard to do yeah. it. But there, unfortunately, is a specific and special quality to not his voice, but his attitude and like his, his approach to the his character, entire, yeah. entire performance that really is unmatched. Yep. One of the reasons why, and I don't want this for those listening to the show for the first time to turn you off of finishing the show. Season three oh, is absolutely. a masterpiece of a season. Yes. But it's one of the reasons why season two is a little bit my favorite, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, after that, we uh, we need some sort of cool down. And I think that, again, these are ordered perfectly. Ang. This, this is inconsequential and lighthearted. And we need that after the tale of Iroh. I also like that it's not inherently silly and funny, too. Right. Like, they're not trying to just, like, go from this to, like, in my opinion, the tale of Sokka is yeah. an even funnier. It would have been too but, too much of a jump to go into Sokka right Yeah, because this feels still uh, very much. And it feels similar where Iroh was helping people. We get yeah. a glimpse of now Aang helping people. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's a connective tissue there. And uh, it also is something that I've been kind of waiting for because we know that the Avatar is like all about animals and like he's vegetarian and Mm -hmm. and the episode where the forest was burned down, it super deeply affected him. And this is something that like I kind of have been wanting to see. I want to just see Aang working with animals and I like that he can't just do it. He's not like... He's good with animals, but he's not an... He's not a like zookeeper He's not a or trained an animal zookeeper. trainer. Yeah. yeah, no, not at all. But he convinces somehow this zookeeper to just release all of the animals at the same time. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. not just like let's get them out there one at a time. Right. He's like, just release them all. I'll figure it out. No, I'm good with animals. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> and um, so, and it makes sense like that cool... he's there in the first place, looking for Appa. Looking for Appa. Right. Yeah. And I, I love also the context that this zoo is not doing well and these animals have these not proper facilities because the Dai Li won't give the zoo money because people aren't coming because the zoo is dirty and run down. It's like that vicious cycle that is caused by uh, the people in charge. Yes. And it also is very reminiscent of zoos. Like right. actual zoos yeah. are generally underfunded and end up being like a bad thing like in in our society in our world usually it's not a case of saving an endangered species or a family of animals that needed help it's literal like cages for animals that would otherwise be benefited by a open range setting right yeah and that's what ang wants to give these animals so he eventually figures it out mm-hmm. by because we get this little montage of all these animals <laughs> fucking around with all the villagers. Cabbage who've guy, got, like <laughs> the cabbage the guy getting his cabbages eaten by the rabbit. Like, My cabbage. Oh, forget it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then later, after Ang blows the whistle, we see the cabbage guy just weeping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> he's just giving. This guy, up. he's been through so much. His luck has been terrible. Um, and then 
Aang has a great idea. Mm-hmm. He realizes that Appa's whistle is playing a frequency that only Appa can hear. Mm. So maybe this is something that other animals will hear, hear too. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those it's an animated show moments that yeah. really works in this show. But it makes you think like, okay, wait, why haven't other animals been like coming to him when he blows this whistle? <laughs> That's down? true. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that they, they handle that well by making it. He literally blows in it so hard that right. he blows a whole second frequency. Like, I think yeah. he blows it at another octave. Totally. Up, yeah. And it's so loud that these animals are, like, not just chasing him out of, like, a, oh, I need to follow that. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, holy shit, stop <laughs> what that. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he blows this whistle, does his classic Aang air the ball. huge and... air breath, too. He, like, air bends more air into his lungs to be able to whistle this yep. out. Yeah. And then the air scooter. And he continues that breath, the whole scoot out of the... Oh, yeah. The inner walls of the city. He's able... Because of that huge breath, mm-hmm. he's able to hold this loud, long whistle... And we see the zookeeper being like, <laughs> open the you gates. have to open the gates. Like, why would we do that? Or what? Or that? <laughs> because of that. <laughs> and we just see a stampede. Yeah. And I think it's cool. I like the animation of, like, they are, even though the gate gets opened, they still kind of crash through it. There's yeah. still crumbling rock around right. it, you know? Yeah. And then the sequence of Aang creating this area just making is so move. dope. And you can it's tell so he knows cool. like there is an urgency to separate these animals first. You know what I mean? Like these yep. should not be together and then like creating interesting environments for each of these animals on the spot. It's just so cool. And then it, you get that montage, which, again, it's one of those moments that's brilliantly animated. And then it just zooms out, and there's a whole zoo. Like, he's built a whole facility for this dude. He just earthbended one right outside the gate. It's perfect. And we think, man, this guy is good with animals, or at least the zookeeper says so. Right. And then we see that that whistle worked a little too well because yeah. every single cat in Bossing <laughs> Say is also here. We see, like, yeah. a little kid... Mom, why is Mr. Fluffikins in there? It's just, it's funny. It's a nice way to end yeah. the episode, reminding us like, yeah, he, this isn't his, this yeah. isn't really his job, but <laughs> right. he succeeded. But like, he, he got let's away not with try it. that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Well, then we have Sokka. This is the goofiest one, goofiest, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very simple. Sokka's, I love the the fade in, you know, each of these have sort of a sepia tone image that fades into real time. And I love Sokka just walking around, not sure what to do and just throwing his boomerang around. I love the way he's cool. So good. (laughs) And then he stumbles upon, he's walking through an alley that there's a bunch going on. And so he has to walk closer to this window and he hears this poetry going on. And I love, he leans in the window and he goes... Ah, uh, poetry. Like, I, I like that Sokka's just, like, an appreciator of art, you know? Me too. I don't think he quite gets how to appreciate art or understands the process. Like, he's, I don't think he's someone who has created art, but he can appreciate it. He finds, I, yeah, he finds beauty in what's going on yeah, right now. He hears poetry and he stops and listens. I think that's such cool context to give to the character that feels fitting, but not information that we've had about him yet. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. And so some commotion in the 
in the alleyway crunches him in, into the window and then suddenly he's here and he says I am so sorry something struck me in the rear I just wound up here and that was an accidental haiku and so they're all like ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah they loved it yeah <laughs> and then I love they have this this little like <laughs> haiku battle uh, him and the the leader of this of this place. And her haikus are genuinely fantastic. Oh yeah, she they're really good. Is spitting fire, and and he's just he's co- naturally right having a blast. Yeah, it's like someone who's doesn't even realize what these rules and why they're important and like how to like utilize metaphor in the setting of a five seven five haiku or whatever it is. Yeah, five, right. Isn't that five seven five? He's just you he knows the rules now and is coming up with things like he's just I don't know it shows that he's very intuitive and funny and carefree you yeah know? um cool little tidbit the leader of this poetry slam her name is Madame Macmuling in <laughs> uh named by one of the other writers for Lauren McMullen Macmullen Macmuling. <gasps> oh that's so cool and she wrote this section like she wrote the tale of Sokka which is cool that's cool yeah so they uh there's one they have this like back and forth of haikus there's one moment that's like I paddle my own canoe and I'll paddle yours too and he like spanks himself and I'm like what are you trying to say there? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. uh. <laughs> um, but then she gets really angry at that and she ends hers with like a fish eye lens over her. Yes. And then Sokka comes back and has like a really good comeback. And then when he's feeling on top of it, there's like a low angle shot on him, like a very, you know, uh, dramatic angle with his hands coming out towards the camera and like, Trying to calm down the crowd and everything. <laughs> and then, ladies, I rocked ya. And it's six syllables. And he... Dun, 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 <laughs> and this guard comes in and he's like... Uh, <laughs> that's one too many syllables. <laughs> and he's, uh, I love, though, he says, that's one too many syllables, bub. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we have an unnecessarily complicated animation of he picks him up and there's like a computer generated like shaky cam to it in the profile of him like pulling Sokka back to throw him out and then this close up it feels very anime you know yes um which we love gotten it. tastes in the previous episodes of i mean throughout the show of anime influence i was talking about it with some people last night and uh, anyway, I just wanted to address that. And the close-up of Sokka's face as he's, like, rocketing out of this place. And then, to end his scene, in a mirror of his earlier line, he says, uh, poetry. <laughs> uh, it's great. All right, now we've got Zuko and his uh, inability to recognize being flirted with. <laughs> I think it's so funny that he genuinely thinks this like this young woman is see, on like, to she's them. She's just there. <laughs> well, yeah, she's Jet there. Was like, a young man who's on to them, you know? Yeah, but like the fact that he's a mad like she's just coming there for real and sitting there having tea. She's <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if she was on to them, she'd be hiding or like 
you know, scouting well, it out or yeah, maybe I mean, not though. You know, he's his suspicion is now at an all time high because right. of Jet. I mean, yeah, and the way he's been living for so long now, you know, think about how long his hair is now. That that's, that's like true. six months probably. Well, no, it it can't be that long because a couple months though. A, f- a couple it's been months, a couple though. months, yeah. But a couple months of living the way he's been living compared to what his life used to be, and of being wanted and maybe found out at any moment, like. It's sad that he sees this girl looking at him and can only think, she's onto us. Yes. And I like Iroh's instant, like, yes. Yeah. She's been here quite a few times. I think she has a crush on you. Yeah. You know, like, I lo- he knows. He knows. Immediately, because yeah. he's a wise old man. <laughs> right. He can tell. Right. And she actually comes up and asks him out, and Iroh says, he'd love to. <laughs> and uh, we cut. Almost immediately to that night, and the doors open, and we get this pan up on Zuko arriving on his head and his just fucking dopey hair. He's it's like a super traditional, like man's haircut. Like, I think I feel like I on an older general or like an older, like I don't know, like a professor at Bossing Say University. It wouldn't look dopey at all. Right. But because it's Zuko, <laughs> yeah. and we're like, it's Zuko. <laughs> when he's got, like, his hair and parted hair in the like, middle. parted. Yeah. yeah. They go out for a date. Oh, oh but first she messes up his hair. And he's like, it took my uncle ten minutes to, to do my hair. Which is very funny. Picturing ten full minutes, which is a long time, of Iroh just trying to tame his hair. Uh, which is not even that long, and I don't know. It's it's just funny. That gives me giggle. But they go out to the, to a date on this place, and ah, I feel so. I mean, watching this episode previously, I'm like, come on, Zuko, like, why are you being so awkward? But again, I feel bad for him, man. He has to he has lie. No idea. He, he has no idea how to behave on a date at all. He's probably never been on one, and on this his first like date experience. He has to he can't say anything truthful about who he is or where he comes from. Can you imagine on your first even... date not being able to talk about your life at all? Like Yep. And especially after having an experience where he basically saved someone's life. Right. But as soon as they found out who he was, yeah. They were like, Go away. I yeah, hate you. you right. Know? So like he's not gonna reveal that part of himself ever again. You know, he's right. he gets it now, like the earth like people do not like anyone that's fire nation like it's just it is what it is because of what they've done and i love that uh you know the the waiter comes around and he's like would you and your girlfriend like more tea or whatever and he goes she's not my girlfriend and he looks up and she didn't even really notice that but she does notice when he says you've got quite the appetite for a girl which is one of the stupidest fucking things you could have said, Zuko. God damn it. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for acknowledging it, though. Uh, I already forgot her name, which Jin. is not good. Her name's Jin. Jin. I'm glad she basically, like, gives him, like, uh, thanks. Yeah, right. Yes. Because, like, kind of fuck you. Like, yeah. Would... And I like that she doesn't stop. She doesn't, like, feel... Im- she Jin is a cool character, yes, you know, absolutely, and well portrayed by uh, Marcella Lentz Pope. Quick shout out to that actor. 
he he has this quick juggling lie which doesn't pan out well at all like immediately but the fact that he still tries for yeah, her yeah he likes her he does, you know yeah this is the moment where There's we realize chemistry. like he's got a little crush on her because he wouldn't have done that if right it wasn't someone that he was trying to impress and he definitely wouldn't have done what he does in the next scene they she, she brings him yep. to her favorite place they're running there's another one of those sort of computer generated shaky cam moments as they're running uh to give you know intensity to the anticipation of arriving at this place and they get there and none of the lanterns are lit and she's so disappointed like what she was describing what she was most excited about was the way the candles reflect off the pond and none of them are lit and he says close your eyes and don't open them and the sound design in this moment of how delicately and if you think about it these are fucking and the music these are paper lanterns he is yeah. expertly lighting these candles and just a little it's and i love so that perfect. it's not just him doing it he in a moment comes up with a form mm-hmm. like he like yeah. he like he he bows kind of as right. if he's thinking for a second like centering himself okay, as well this is the form that i'm going to use and then right. he like it's almost like he predicts every single move he's going to make in that moment mm-hmm. and then makes them yeah oh and it does look beautiful it's, when he opens oh, her yeah. eyes and we get a we get a view of it they animate this reflected water so pretty yeah. and she's so taken up like how did you even like Right. I mean, obviously, he's a firebender. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but there's no way. When you think about it, though, that would even never guess that. Yeah. Right. No way. Right. Never. Especially knowing Zuko is someone that now has gone from being like his scar represents who he is mm. to in this setting, people see that they sympathize and, right. and know he's probably a refugee who's been yeah. through some serious shit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is crazy. So they have a moment, and then she says, I want to give you something, too. Right, because... Close your eyes. They almost, now it's time. Well, they almost kiss, and then he holds up the coupon. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I, I got and this it, for you. My uncle gave you My uncle gave the, it to you. Like, shop. my uncle thought it'd be a yeah. good idea. And she says, well, your uncle is a very smart man. Yeah. And... She goes, uh, now close your eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to give you something. He closes his eyes. And I really, I've always really loved this moment. Because she goes in, kisses him, lets that be. She like just, just gives him a kiss, kiss. And he kisses her back. He does. But almost and it's like a moment that he retracts. retracts fe- he has this fear in his face. Like, oh. I can't let this be. I can't yeah. attach. He runs home. And Iroh... Oh, it makes me want to cry right now. <laughs> Iroh is like totally waiting for him yeah. at the door, like <laughs> looking around. Yeah. And then as soon as he sees him, he goes back to oh, just like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zuko comes in. How was your night, Prince Zuko? Slams the door behind Super him. Super teenager move. And then. Peeks out. It was nice. Closes it. <laughs> yeah. We see Iroh smile. I'm so oh. glad that he has an, a positive experience. Totally. Because if he wouldn't have said, it was nice. That would have been a sad episode, right? You know? Yeah. But because of that, it was beautiful. And also, he's like has a little surprise in his voice, like he didn't expect. Yeah, it to be. like he didn't expect that. And even through and, the complications, when he really sits down kid, and thinks about it alone, it was nice. And as a kid who dreamed of, you know, 
my first date being my wife, you know? Sure. You want to, you imagine that like, oh, I hope this girl comes back. Yeah. As an adult, that's not even in my mind anymore. I'm just like so happy he was able to put himself out there. Yeah. If that's the only totally. time we ever see her, I'm okay with that because that was what he needed. He needed to go on a date mm-hmm. and he needed to feel loved and he needed to love, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, that is a v- yeah. oh wow. I didn't really realize how pivotal of a moment for Zuko's character. It's not even just like a sweet moment for him. This is the first time of him experiencing love from someone who's not his uncle. Yep. You know? Out yeah. in the world, he didn't... new people, which he has not cared about in the past, really, new people can bring you experiences like this. That's profound, more so than I had That's why it was nice, too. Yeah. Well, now we've got our final vignette with Momo. And which I forgot. So you said I knew Momo would be the last one. Yeah. For some reason, I forgot about his. Well, I always remember this last shot of the episode. Best way to end the episode. It is the best way. Yep. And I forgot that it was. I, for some reason, imagined this being the end cap to another episode, Mm -hmm. you know, that just happened to have an end cap. Mm -hmm. But it's great that it's the tale of Momo because we see Momo. We get to have a chance to see what. Life through Momo's eyes is. Yeah. And I love it. the first thing that we get a glimpse of is how Momo dreams. And he dreams of him and Appa just like eating berries. Yeah. That's so sweet. And then he wakes up from a shock because there's sort of a like color inversion grading moment where Appa sort of at him because he's having... He's remembering that Appa's not here and like those negative emotions are coming back up and he awakes um, and remembers Appa's not here and starts looking around and he sees a cloud up uh, in the sky that looks in the shape of Appa and he flies up and obviously it's not. It fades away. He falls back down and he sees a tree that has branches coming out like Appa's horns and he gets excited again and he runs over and it's just a tree. And by the way, the whole time he's he had sniffed around in Aang's bag oh, that's that right. Aang used to scatter Appa's. Right. Remember in that so early episode? That's, yeah. That's and why he that finds a small there. clump of fur. So it's still there. It's still in the bag, and he ties it around his wrist. Yeah. I love that. How he has this little bracelet of Appa's fur throughout yes. this episode while he's, you know, the cloud, the tree, and then. So he remembers. Appa and the scents and all of that, but to have some of his fur right there to have reference for the scent just gives him a better chance of finding his friend. Um, and also, it's it seems like a bit of a sentimental thing. Like, he is just a lemur, but he's capable of the basic emotions of, you know, sadness and mourning and searching and, you know, this is my friend. Like, that, that all makes sense, and it doesn't feel out of the bounds of what this animal is capable of you know and this adventure his little journey leads him to crossing paths with some of the most terrifying non uh like they're animals that like the people of this world are like they're just cats i don't get it right but because we're seeing it from momo's point of view it's like holy shit also these are Panthers, little panthers. <laughs> like, That's what they are. They're little. They're just panthers. little panthers. <laughs> they're not even they're mixed basically... with another animal. They're just little panthers. 
<laughs> yeah, like if they were, they'd be mixed with a cat, which is a pant. You know, right? So, what, yeah, little panthers. But to Momo, like, yeah, these are they're full size panthers. Momo basically. scale, they're terrifying. He gets chased by them. He runs into this like sort of town square and gets a hat put on him in this like monkey performance, and and immediately goes for it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just in it. And we get um we we get the Momo song. <laughs> and we've heard that before it used to play like every time we saw momo i think that's faded away mostly in season two we haven't heard that very much and he's become more of a character and less of a yeah a joke right sadly though i read in the trivia this is the last time momo's theme is heard we will not hear that well we won't hear that again tragic wow tragic (laughs) Anyway, I mean, sadder things <laughs> come from this episode, but anyway. Yeah, but his face when he's making his little dance of just like... Yeah, right. Like, he just immediately turns to just like a serious face, like, I am dancing now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he runs, and him and the cats get captured and taken to what we assume is like a butcher of some sort. Um, yes, because I don't know if you noticed, hmm. but the lock... That they use to lock their has a cages. Has skull on it. Has a skull on it. Yeah. yeah. And Momo so in like, this cage, I love the little detail that he, he like rubs himself with Appa's fur to comfort himself in this moment. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. But Momo has like opposable thumbs. He has hands, basically, which they didn't notice, the people who captured him. And so he's able to just reach out and unlock his own cage and get out. And as he's running away, he hears this like, and he looks back and these cats are just looking at him, begging him to let them free as well, which he does. And they all run away together and they have this like coming together moment where these cats were chasing him sort of, I think, just out of instinct, just for an animal, like, get out of here. Um, Yeah. But now they have the appreciation of like, you set us free. Thank you. And they're having this like moment of physical connection like curling up on each other and one of them reaches their mouth down and bites off the fur and runs away with it and momo thinks they're just like oh they 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 they're taking the fur i don't know if he has the connection of like they were lying or anything but give me back that fur and they're running away they have this chase um all the animation of the the animals like navigating through the environment of this city is just really, really cool as well uh, from before and in this scene. And this cat takes the fur and places it down. There's a a large patch of sand and there's a giant footprint in it. And this cat places the fur down in it and runs away, just making the connection for Momo. And Momo crawls in to this giant Appa footprint, proof that Appa is here in Ba Sing Se, which we haven't known yet. We've gotten word that that's probably where he was taking taken. But here we have proof, like, Appa is here, and he was in this spot. And Momo just recently curls up with this fur in the footprint, and that's the ending of this episode. We have some hope now that we know Appa's here, but also... a good like ending to momo's little vignette of he got some proof but he has not found appa you can have closure to the to the arc without solving everything like we saw in in the desert 
yeah, that's a that's a good episode there. We oh, gotta yeah. choose a kid moment of the week, though. Kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. So I think for me, it is the suddenness of Momo dancing. <laughs> I do suddenly like that. he yeah. is in in this dance. I also like Zuko's hair. Zuko's hair. Uh, I like the uh, one too many syllables there, bub. Ooh, <laughs> that's pretty. I good. like that a lot. Where's your vote? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I think I think the the Zuko hair. I want to give it just because I feel like we give it to Momo and Sokka a lot, but also and that's the function they serve in the plot. So like, it makes sense that we do that. I don't know. Oh, I don't think if it is the though. whole sequence. Like if it's the whole it's sequence, makes me go. I think I it's one too many syllables, bub, including. Yeah. the anime being thrown right. out with Sokka's yes like his face is almost like yeah like <laughs> I think that might yeah, be yeah I think you're right and I, I think kids find deep voice very funny <laughs> you know like, yeah totally too many syllables bub you think my name is funny right you know? yeah right things like right. that totally the accused will now be prosecuted. <laughs> right, they've used that. It bit happens a lot. throughout the yeah, show. Totally, yeah, totally, totally, and it is effective. It's it's pretty funny. It is. Yeah. All right. I feel satisfied with that. What an important episode for an episode that narratively could be taken out, and nothing would change the plot. Nothing would change. Absolutely, yeah. one of the best episodes of the entire show. When you think of this show, you think of this episode. At least at some point. And when I think of good TV, what you just described is kind of important to me. I need episodes that I can just watch. Right. Just that episode. Absolutely. And this is one of those. But also, it makes sense in the context of the plot. Exactly. Anyway, we've covered that. We've covered it all. We've gotten to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this, you can check out more stuff that we do at legendary4.com. You can also comment on any of these episodes or any of the episodes of our other podcast, Legendary Four Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. An actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast that we do with our friends Sam and Dustin. Um, I'm having a lot of fun soundtracking that. There's a lot of really cool music that I'm very happy with in that. So please, please give it a check, check out. Give it a, if you give have it no a idea what we're talking about, by the way, when we describe that, Basically, just turn it on. It's entertaining. It's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're like, I like TV, I like movies, but I don't want my eyes to be occupied. <laughs> That's what that is. I'd say this podcast is yeah. is like, uh, you know, we're talking, we're hanging out. It's like you're hanging out with we're us, chilling. talking about this stuff. That is like you're listening to a show. Right. So, Improvised if you don't narrative. know that already, that might change your uh, influence yeah. to watch, to listen to it. Yeah. And it's a good one. I listen to it. And I'm in it. Like, usually things that you do, I know Calvin would agree with this, art you make is hard to enjoy after it's made. But this one is collaborative enough and fun enough that I enjoy the shit out of it. So I know you will too. Hell yeah. So uh, yeah, please uh, check that out. Tell your friends about this show, that one if you like it. Um, And one huge thing you can do is follow us on social media facebook instagram twitter all of those at new lens pod uh yeah check out those donation links in the description as well you know this is a free show uh but you if you have some money to spare 
please put it towards the uh, the any of the links uh, from the Black Lives Matter link tree that's in the description or the featured link that I have been changing up and donating to myself. So, uh, yeah, please go out and vote. Also, take care of yourself and uh, keep yourself healthy of body and mind. Thank you again for listening. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. <laughs>